Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Welcome to Board Gaming with Education. I'm here with Jay and Spencer again for a geek discussion episode. We talk about different topics related to the board game hobby. Jay and Spencer, would you mind introducing each other, introducing yourselves? I don't know how you guys want to do it today. Sitting across from me is Spencer. He owns and operates the first Western vegan restaurant in Taipei, Taiwan, known as Ooh Cha Cha. You can find him in the basement of Ooh Cha Cha, where he has a den of games and beer. Sitting across from me is Jay. He runs a board game review website called Cardboard East. You should check it out. It's very informative and uh, pretty on topic for today for wanting to go check out what sort of board games you can find uh, in East Asia, which is what he specializes in. Guy knows his stuff. He does know his stuff. And we're going to talk about reviews today. So our Geek Discussion episode, we do three things. We review homework from last episode, our last Geek Discussion episode. We go into a segment called What Does Spencer and Jay Know? And Dustin just sounds smart because he looks up these terms beforehand. And Did you just talk about yourself in the third person? <laughs> yes, you should always do that. That'd be a great gimmick. Jay does not approve. And then we go into the the topic of the episode, and today we're talking about review games or finding reviewers and about reviewing board games. So let's start with homework. Our homework from last episode was to check out Kickstarter. So have you guys had a chance to look into it? Yes. Yes. Spencer didn't do his homework Spencer did you do your homework like a good boy Uh, I may have you know what I plead the fifth well then you may go first I plead the fifth (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we'll go over to Jay Uh, yeah I recently went on on Kickstarter and I found two games that looked kind of interesting to me there was one called Space Race which is a card game and has it's great retro like 60s like space race art and people are playing like the russians american and like china and then so it's not about racism no it's not about racism in space space race (laughs) (laughs) um that looks pretty good um the other game is called clinic um it's a deluxified version of clinic it's by Alban, oh, I forgot his last name. Viard, I believe. He designed uh, like Age of Steam. He also designed Tramways. And it's a game about running your own hospital. Mm, exciting. I just spent a few days at the hospital, and I can tell you, it sucks. <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. Dustin, did you do your homework? <laughs> I did, and I actually saw both those games that you saw. And I was looking at my list. I hearted a couple of games because you can follow them hmm. by hearting them on Kickstarter. And Space Race was one of them. <laughs> you said you, I hearted them. What's <laughs> that <laughs> <I> mean? <laughs> and another game I followed, or not a game, but uh, idea, is the Vorpal Board. Did you guys see this at all? Maybe show up on your Facebook or is this like a Vorpal sword? Yeah, you lose your head. 
Yeah, it's well, it's a app plus a arm stand plus a box, so you can play board games remotely with other people. So it looks pretty cool. I mean, it's very new technology, or at least this idea of using something like this to play board games remotely seems very new. Okay. So it's hard to kind of get behind right now. And I'm kind of hoping that it, it does well so I can... We just need future. to have a holodeck. That would solve all our problems. Yeah, that would definitely solve our problems. Good. All right, so now we're going to get into... Did you did you back anything, though, once you got I onto I did back one thing, um, I think. Well, for sure one thing. I don't know if I ended up backing something else. The one thing I did back was Arm Zing. And I backed that for four dollars. It's just an RPG magazine for kids. It's That's like cool. a trimmed down RPG system that kids can use. Are you and a kid? No, but I thought it might be helpful. <laughs> and when we move back to LA to do some, you know, RPG events with it kids. might be fun. You know, what you should do with Kickstarter is, you know, they say that the the Persians would debate things twice, once uh, sober and once drunk. You should do the same thing with Kickstarter. Do it once sober and then once drunk. Yeah, go through it once sober and back something and then go through it again drunk and back something. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you do that. You I want you to goes. know that yeah. there there is one game in my collection that I purchased uh, drunk. Was it good? And I came in the mail and I do not remember ordering the game. <laughs> I was very, very confused. And I went online. I checked like all the websites that I... I typically buy games from and there it was oh i bought this game and it's like what oh this is my friend's birthday oh <laughs> i drunk bought a game and was it good oh uh, yeah it's coliseum by days of wonder it's a really good game ah, well, see it's the best way to do things so well spencer you'll have some special homework for next episode browse kickstarter sober and then you can browse it after a couple days <laughs> <All right. laughs> He'll be spending the night at my place because his his <laughs> wife will have kicked him out. You spent a thousand dollars on games. Good, good, good for games Hooch. though. Good for Hooch. M- yeah. More reason to come. This is future Dustin here. We actually did some homework together, Jay, Spencer, and I. We went on to Kickstarter and back to game. It. Did not make for the best podcasting content, so we did not release that episode last Monday, but it is available unedited, unfiltered on our Patreon. So I know that's not the best sell for Patreon, but if you do go on to Patreon and become a patron of Board Game with Education, there are different tiers that you can back our show or support our show. One tier, you can get a mug that says Teach Better, learn more, and play more. We have a couple other tiers where you can support our show for even just a dollar. And anything you do helps support our show and helps fund things like our podcasting, podcast hosting service, our website hosting, all of those great things that help us bring great content to you. So be sure to check out our Patreon. That's Patreon dot com backslash bge games oh and i almost forgot the game i ended up backing was march of ants empires of the earth so it's a really cool 4x game with ants as the theme all right let's get back to the geek discussion all right so then let's get into our next segment and i 
came up with these terms, and by came up with these, I'm reading a book, and oh, I came have, across these. Are terms. you gonna edit in the big intro? And it's called later. <laughs> what does Spencer know? <laughs> Space race. <laughs> What, what does, does Spencer, Spencer know? And the first term is called ambient sociability. That is when the temperature in the room is comfortable enough to talk to the person next to you. That's close. Yeah. Am I supposed to guess? Yeah. You can give it a go. Um, that's when your medical insurance uh, gives you enough drugs that allows you to talk to people. So oh, I like I have, that one better. I have nothing, man. I've... <laughs> Nothing. It's a term. (laughs) It's a term that came across, and I'm like I said, I'm reading a book by Jane McGonigal. That's called "Reality Is Broken." Is she a magician? She is a author and speaker. Part-time musician, psychologist, I believe too. She does research. Um, But in the book, she talks about this term and how games can bring about social ambient sociability where you're playing a game and you're just comfortable being around people but not necessarily interacting with them. <laughs> so I think uh, hmm. a lot of like online games have this where you participate in massive multiplayer multiple online MMOs. What's that? How do you say that? Massive yeah, multiplayer massive multiple multiple online players <laughs> RPG. <laughs> yeah. MMO. So you're going through an RPG but maybe you're doing a quest on your own but you're around players. I think you might experience this in board games when you're playing like some European Euro games, maybe. Wouldn't kind of. I'm just, just confused, but like, so you would get this in an MMORPG online, even though you're not physically next to the person, right? So you'd look around the the continent and go, look at all my friends, but <laughs> you know they're. Well, I wouldn't call them friends, but well, you know, it would be continents. We don't live on Pangea. You know, there's an opportunity for social inter- interaction, so you're you feel more comfortable knowing that that's possible. Huh. Okay. Interesting. And next one. The next term is, and I don't know if I can pronounce this right. I had to listen. Nachos. 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 Yes. Is nachos. when your nachos wear lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled N-A-C-H-E-S. That's exactly Na- that's it. Nachos. Nachos. That's when you order nachos from a French Canadian. <laughs> it's not very good, but it's still nachos. I think it's nachos with fake cheese. It's so it's nachos. It. I think Jay and I get this feeling a lot because we're both teachers, and it's when we see someone we mentor do well. We get a feeling of. Nachés. <laughs> Is it something you're supposed to shout at somebody when you're proud of them? <laughs> nachés. You got me, nachés. I want you to know now that from now on, when I see a student of mine doing well, I'm just going to be thinking of nachés. <laughs> That's actually great. <laughs> I hope we have a lot of listeners. We sell nachos at Hooch. <laughs> Vegan nachos. So okay. those are the two terms. So we have... Ambient sociability, where you're more comfortable just being around people, but not necessarily interacting and nachés, a sense <laughs> of gratification from helping like your children or seeing them succeed. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's hmm. get into our topic, which is review games. And we have expert Jay from Cardboard East. Hola. 
and I'm just going to throw it to him, and he's going to moderate this conversation. Okay. Well, <laughs> hot potato, hot potato. Well, first, let's just talk about all three of us play games. Where do you go for finding board game reviews or RPG reviews? Generally speaking, if I'm on a board game shop, what I'll do before I, I, because I usually pick up, I don't know, all the games that look cool. If it has a map, I'm going to think it looks cool. Spencer likes maps for people just tuning in. Right. If it has nice art, I think it's going to look cool. And then I'll usually check uh, Amazon or BGG. Amazon if I want to do it quickly. Yeah, I've I've learned though that sometimes, and I've read this online too, that Amazon, other people have the same feeling that Amazon has less, uh, I guess people that maybe don't play board games as often might pick up a board game and leave a pretty poor review because they're not used to playing some of these types of games. Right. Well, I just do a quick test, you know, a quick, quick taster there. I mean, I run a restaurant. I know reviewers suck. <laughs> yeah, that's, tr- <laughs> that's true. You have to kind of kind of look around a little bit. We are a horrible breed of people. <laughs> uh, Dustin, <laughs> uh, where do you go for your reviews? I'm very similar to Spencer where I go to the board game store and I pick up some stuff. If I've heard about a game through friends, usually that's something that helps me lead into the direction of finally making the purchase. Or online in a lot of the Facebook groups, if people share reviews, it's hard, though, because there's so many games out there. So you kind of have to choose one reviewer and <laughs> and maybe kind of stick with that person and find someone that is has a similar taste as you. Well, usually you're picking, okay. you're picking out stuff that sticks out to you, though, right? So, I mean, you already have a little bit of a... Uh, you've already made a decision up to the point where you've picked up the games you're playing. I mean, the last one I picked up was Scythe. I didn't end up getting it because it's pretty expensive, but I would like to in the future just based off of, you know, looking at it. You like Risk. This is like well, I, awesome compared to Risk. You both of you it. mentioned something that I have, haven't done in, I think, well over a decade is going to a game store and just look around and then buy a game that I think looks cool. Like I, I haven't done that in over a decade. Like I look around online and I, talk to people and I find a game that looks interesting and then I'll look for reviews on that game. I usually go to BGG and just see what people have said about it, whether it's on the videos or a written review. I think I've, I've never go to Amazon because I, I don't, I guess, trust those online opinions. Um, I've had talks with other people about how kind of weird that is, trusting an online opinion as opposed to someone in your face. Like if you were at the board game store, Spencer, and you picked up a game, and you look at it, and then all of a sudden, someone walked into the store and says, oh, yeah, I played that game. It's really good. And then they leave the store. I would trust that person more, for sure. You would trust that person more than a comment on Amazon? For sure. Definitely. So <laughs> I actually See, that's, I actually did. That's just so interesting. The, the last time I was there, when I picked up Scythe, uh, I put it down because I was like, okay, this is awesome, but I'm looking for games for the store, and I don't want something that's got a million pieces. This is something I want to play. Uh, and then I walked over to the, it wasn't a random person, it was somebody who worked there and was picking up a bunch of little games off the shelf like uh, Cockroach Poker and uh, that pirate game I always forget the damn name of. And uh, just went through recommendations and I literally bought everything the guy recommended. I think I think at one point he's going to be like, and this shoe is like the best <laughs> game ever. Like, I'll buy it. Like, oh, done. He's got to <laughs> describe to me what the game is about. <laughs> 
I think, uh, Jay, you bring up a good point for publishers. They should just hang out at game stores and randomly drop hints. Hey, I would, I would buy good. it. <laughs> just follow well, me around. At least in North America, um, uh, I believe that a lot of game stores now and publishers work with uh, local game stores because they want to support those local board game communities. That they give local game stores um, like little demo copies of games that they can leave open on a table somewhere and people can look at, play with it, pick it up, and have that tactile experience of actually seeing the inside of the game. Actually, that reminds me, I was going to do one of the ways we're going to try to market Hooch now is by picking up a game uh, maybe once or twice a week and just briefly in three or four sentences describe how to play the game and then like a little, you know, cards on the table handout kind of deal. Same deal. Leave out the board game, show people what it, what it's all about to try. Okay. I'm going to start with Boss Monster too because that is a cool sounding concept. It's a cool sounding concept, but I didn't think it was a cool game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's uh, move on to which reviewers do you uh, do you like? Do you listen to Spencer? I listen to Jay from Cardboard East. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, but like what? What? Uh, like so when you look at games, is there a particular reviewer that you tend to gravitate towards, or do you gravitate towards a reviewer and just see what they're going to talk about next? I generally speaking, when I do reviews, not just for games, for anything, I read the one star reviews first because you can usually really? tell whether the one stars are from lack of support, an actual feature of the game, or just the reviewer is a which is usually the case. So you like the negative reviews more? I, it gives me a good feel about what it's all about. And then I'll read the positive reviews. Okay. But well, that sounds like, that's what I usually do for Amazon, just buying something on Amazon. Oh, for BGG, I don't do that. For BGG, I open up the review thing and usually actually just go through page one, two, three of reviews and read them. Oh, wow. So you read, you prefer the written reviews as opposed to the videos? Oh, I hate watching videos. Like, <laughs> like I never, I never watch. Uh, I haven't actually watched Trump speak with the sound on. I've only read what he writes because I can't stand to watch him. And you must have had a difficult time reading that, <laughs> Spencer. Yeah. What a, yeah. uh, oh my god, <laughs> Dustin. What about you? I'm trying to think of uh, different reviewers that I normally watch. But what happens is a lot of times I will go into getting a game and then I'll go online to learn how to play. But I think like Dice Tower is kind of one that I go to sometimes. But I think that's just more how SEO works and how when you search for something, mm. he's one of the first ones that comes up. Well, they they review more games than anyone else, just because they have they're it's not just one person; it's a network. Right. Uh, it's funny actually that YouTube and podcasts tend to be the way a lot of people hear about these things i i, I honestly really only go back and read stuff because hmm. well, i can skip through it you know i need I mean, to get you your grognard yeah that's my yeah, i'm a grognard <laughs> everyone consumes content differently you know there's people like you who like just reading like you spencer and then <laughs> and then people who like to watch and then people who like to listen i do i think a mixture of both um for me Man, like I think I'm subscribed to like a lot of YouTubers. So on my feed, I just see stuff. I'll see the games that people talk about. And if I see a game that appear like more than once or twice, and I think it kind of looks interesting, maybe I'll go to BGG and then research more about what it what it is. But I've over the last few years, I've gotten better at 
wanting to buy a game and own it versus I want to have the experience of playing that game. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, that looks like a good game. I want to play it and they just buy it. And it just adds to this massive collection. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But for me, like I live in Asia and space is kind of limited for me. So I need money to keep my collection tight. And then ever since I started reviewing, like I get tons of games. And if I don't start selling them away and like shorting my collection, I'll, I'll be, you'll find me buried underneath games. Don't not you have a, a not a bad way to go. Do you have a picture of yourself buried under games? I feel like you do. Somebody no, that's does. that's Ed. That's uh, Ed. Ed has a picture of him buried <laughs> under a pile of games. <laughs> Actually, right. our board game shelf is getting kind of kind of like that. But I'll just keep piling them on top of each other. So now I'm going to ask you guys, what do you look for in a reviewer? What's something that you look for in a reviewer? I guess I, we've always had you go first, Spencer. I'll go first this time. I think your standard format kind of follows what like Tom Vassell did with his video formats of games. And he even made a video recently about uh, how he does his games. I think usually you you introduce the game and what the idea is, like what you're doing. Like you're pirates, you're, you're robots in the future, you're in the Mediterranean on a ship moving, selling goods. <laughs> and then he'll show you components, what the game kind of looks like. And then he'll talk a little bit about how the game is played. And then he goes into his final thoughts on the whole experience. And that's kind of you know, your standard format of a board game review. But um, for me, like the individual content, I also want to know like what it feels like when you play the game. Because I can read the rules online and know how to play the game. But I have no idea about the meta game that emerges from the gameplay. Like how does it feel when you play the game? Like uh, Captain Sonar, like there on your on your desk, Dustin. Like it's your two sub submarines playing against each other. But and I could read the rules, but it does not tell me what it's like to play that game. Like the amount of chaos there is at the table, and like quietness and silence, and like stop, wait, fire. It's a very kinetic experience that doesn't translate well from just the rules itself. So I I really look for that. Well, I guess since I said I look at the negative reviews first, the thing is on BGG, I, I, they do stick out to me more. And the first thing I look for is, is this person whining? If, I, <laughs> if, if everybody on the negative reviews are just whining, then it's like, okay, so this game doesn't really have too many negatives. Uh, and then when in the positive reviews, what I'm looking for is basically, uh, yeah, I'm not really looking for structure. I'm looking for the Wikipedia of the game. Kind of the same thing when, when I'm watching TV shows and stuff, Game of Thrones. I want to Wikipedia the story. I don't wanna I don't wanna go through and read the book. I don't wanna hear about what's great, what's terrible. I wanna I wanna know what the gist is, what the general themes are, like with Dune. You say intrigue, uh give me a map, uh risk like boom, you sold me. Yeah, I think I told you it's it's uh politicking. And on the planet Dune, where there's a map and lots of armies fighting each other. See, that excites me. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you get as soon as you start talking about each house having its own power, then I'm really excited. Okay. The meter is all the way up. So you look for like gameplay experience, yeah. which is similar, I guess, to what I was looking for in review. I think I have to watch it played a little bit. Like, okay. Going off of Captain Sonar, 
what made me end up purchasing it is I watched a video of people playing it and I'm like, wow, this looks this looks really fun. I mean, they all acted the part and they're kind of like, you know, really into the game. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I kept debating, oh, should I buy this? It might be a good language game. It might be a good party game. I'm not sure. And then I later on I watched the video of people playing and I was like, yeah, I'm getting this game because it'll <laughs> it'll be fun just to even just get a group of people together to play. The only struggle though with it is you need six to eight people to get that experience. I was just thinking the same uh, thing. That's the hardest part about that game is you need that exact time number to get you know to yeah to get six to eight people six or eight people. It's always tough. So do you prefer, Dustin, do you prefer like full playthroughs or do you prefer watching videos where they just, I guess one reviewer, uh, one podcast I calls this term loop. A loop is a part of the game where it loops, right? So like, for example, your turn, your turn is a loop. Like every time it comes to you, it's a loop of like, you, you kind of do the same thing again and again and again and again until a victory condi- condition has been met in the game and the game ends. So do you prefer to watch uh, like the whole game or do you prefer just to watch one loop in process? Usually just a loop. I mean, with Captain Sonar, I kind of watched the whole thing because it wasn't, it wasn't too long. and it was, it was a little exciting. They did a good job at selling the game. Um, but a lot of times it's just, I think, very similar to Spencer, but instead, because usually going into the game, I kind of know what to expect, but then I want to learn how to play a little bit and okay. then see how it's played, and then I'll decide. Yeah, it's it's. I don't do videos. I do written reviews. So I don't want to rewrite the rules in my review because I figured if people just want to read, they could just read the rules. So I limit my scope to, I guess, one loop. So I just say, like, on your turn, this is what you do, and then this is when the game ends. Because to me, that's the most important part of the game. You're going to be spending most of your time wondering what you do on your turn. And then in my final thoughts, I'll talk about, well, what do you do on your turn and how does that affect me? Like, what, how does that metagame emerge within the natural gameplay? Now, I'm thinking about the next question to guide this. And I got it. Oh, that's a, I got one. Oh, you, you have a question? No, go no, yeah, go for go it. Ahead. Go for it. Let's hit it, Justin. Well, mine's, mine's spicy. It's a spicy question. Caliente. But it doesn't have capsaicin. Spencer taught me before the podcast that capsaicin peppers originated from Central and South America, and they did not exist in Asia prior to Columbus. Welcome. And they call that the Columbus Turnpike. Turnpike. Tur- something. Something. Highway. Well, welcome, freeway. Welcome to the Pepper Podcast. It's been podcast. forgotten. <laughs> welcome to the Pepper <laughs> My question, and maybe Jay, because you are a reviewer, you'll have a different perspective. I wonder if the review community and board game community have created like biased opinions of games because a lot of times people are paid to do the reviews. Okay. What do you guys think? Do you think there's a a way to be objective when? Well, I find that a find of no offense to you. Like I'm not, I don't want to attack you because I've had this question asked me before and it's a kind of a stilted question because all reviews are biased. All of them are. Like you, I mean, that's just that's just part of it being a review because it's from one person. They're going to have a biased review no matter what. But a lot of reviewers 
uh, have that problem of like, well, I can't afford to buy every game that comes out every year of my own money. You know, that's why publishers send them to reviewers. And I think it's something it's up to like 20 games a day are released every year now. Like just a ridiculous wow. amount of games. So you have a reviewer, he gets games from like maybe a big publisher. And if he says, yeah, this game sucks, then the publisher is more likely to just, well, I'm not going to send you games anymore. So a lot of reviewers kind of stick to the pros and cons of a game and trying to keep their personal opinion out. They're like, well, these are the good things about the game. These are the bad things about the game. And you decide if it's a good game or not. Um, I think like Tom Vassell, what Tom Vassell does with his, uh, he he's big enough now to where he could just say a game is bad and people will still send him games no matter what. So there are like reviewers that eventually get to that point where they're big enough that they don't care and they can give out the negative reviews. And there are reviewers who will, there's that bias too. Like, oh, I spent my money on it. I'm going to like it. And then there's also the reviewers like, well, I spent my money on it and it sucks. And I'm just going to tell everybody about it because I don't want them to waste their money like I did. So yeah, I think you have to find that nice line. And usually most reviewers I know that they will mention negatives of a game no matter what, even if it's just one sentence or if it's a paragraph or 30 seconds to, uh, you know, five minutes of screen time. But they will mention all the negatives that they can. Finding positives is when there are none is kind of tr tricky as well. Can you hear me over the rain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's loud. That's so loud. It's a storm here. What about you, Spencer? Do you, do you think that like reviewers tend to be biased or that there's too, they're too positive? They're not negative enough? Again, I, I come from this from a, from a restaurant background, you know? Pros and cons are a good way of going about it. I mean, but. you will get the ones that are just positive because you're getting paid. You'll get the ones that come in expecting an experience. They say, how can we carry this over to board games? If, if you have a publisher that uh, everybody is raving about, because this happens in movies, this happens in restaurants, this happens in games, and everybody's giving it five stars, and you come in and have a four-star experience, you're going to get those people that can give it a one-star. Now, these aren't professional reviewers necessarily, but they are going to give it an, a very biased, negative review because you feel like it doesn't live up to the hype and they want to bring the, they want to bring it down a peg. So... Yeah, you, you see that on BGG. There are people who just give yeah. ones to yeah. it's, everything. It's, it's a mixed bag. Uh, personally, I feel like people who do that are scum of the earth, and that's my feeling. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with, with you, Jay. There is no way to eliminate bias hmm. at all um, or completely. I think that when it comes to board games, one thing I think you do too that's that's good, and I think that a lot of reviewers do is Talk about who this game is good for. And that yeah. goes back to like when Spencer's in the board game store and he's looking out for a game that's like It has a map, risk. Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. he's he knows a reviewer that reviews maps of games. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> I wanna start I wanna start that channel. <laughs> so he'll know if this is a good that's game for game. for people who like maps and games, right? And I think that's <laughs> that's where it where it comes from. 
Last year, uh, 2018, I went to Essen for the first time. Uh, Essen is the biggest board game convention on the planet. And I think last year it was like 300,000 people went over the span of a weekend. There's tons and tons and tons of people. And what I learned there is that I would walk around and I would see people with bags of games. And you would naturally look inside that bag and be like, what do they get? What do they get? What do they get? And I saw people with games in bags, games that I would never buy, but they're holding it like this big red badge of courage. And that's when I realized that games are different things to different people. And just because I don't like a game doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game. It's just a bad game for me. So when I review, I try to think about, you know, who is this game for? Who would like this game? Are you that person? Um, if you are not this person, then I recommend that it's, you might try and play it if you're still really interested in it. That is a good approach. I would, well, I, thank I, you, Spencer. I, I mean, I would appreciate that again, in fact, to being a restaurant owner, I would appreciate that sort of review, even if there was negative bits in it. Well, there's, there's a different thing though with restaurants because restaurants have multiple dishes, right? Like. Some restaurants, almost every restaurant has like one or two dish that's really, really good. That kind of drives yeah. that restaurant. Whereas maybe like 90% of those dishes are bad. Or maybe, you know, five of those dishes are the owner's favorites or the chef's favorite, but no one orders it. So they kind of have to say goodbye to that dish and bring in something new. Well, so it could be like, this is the bid, good bits of the games so that these are the this restaurant specializes in this. Yeah. You should order this. But if you're going to base the restaurant on, you know, the kids menu, then, you know. I think uh, you could look at that as a review of a publisher, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. He was describing okay, that. Yeah. All right. So maybe we can wrap this up. So for homework, I think what would be really cool is to let us know who your favorite reviewer is. Oh, and for Spencer and I, we'll go find our favorite reviewers. It's Jay. No, clearly. Oh, but we can't choose Jay. No, you totally can Jay. choose Jay. You can totally choose Jay. <laughs> Jay. Choose Jay. He's the only reviewer I know. Our and I, is the reviewer I actually been looking for our I second favorite read reviewer. His then. Review. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about our second favorite. No, a third second. because your second is still Jay. I'm gonna find some random person on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Marvolo three six one yeah. is my. If you're, he's prolific. All right, Jade Spencer, thank you again for stopping by. Before we go, where can anyone that's listening find you guys? Uh, you can find me at cardboardeast.com or on the Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, I've been really busy this last month, so I haven't produced as much content as I've liked, but this summer is usually my big, big season time. So I'm coming out of blazing. And you can find me at hooch under. Uh, in my little hole. A under, pile of beer and games. Yeah, a pile of beer and games at uh, at um, near Technology Building in Taipei City. Fly over. Come say hi. Have some beer. Play some games. Parachute down. Parachute down, yeah. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening and until next time.